Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, January 6th. Coming up, a lot of good has come out of Joplin, Missouri's long recovery from the tornado that destroyed much of the town 10 years ago. But the lessons learned include a dark truth. One of the things I, I learned is that when emotion and logic collide, emotion wins every time. With emotion comes volatility. It didn't matter what we brought, whether it was data or subject matter experts, it didn't matter. There was so much emotion. Plus, a year since the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, one U.S. senator from Missouri hasn't faced many political consequences for his involvement. But first, some headlines. Hospitals in the region are struggling to keep up with the spike in COVID-19 cases. KCUR's Beck Shackelford-Wanganga reports. Dr. Richard Watson is co-founder of Motions, a company that created an app to help rural Kansas hospitals transfer patients. He says five times more patients are dying in emergency rooms while they wait for a transfer from Kansas and Kansas City Metro hospitals. This is a dire indication of some severe things that are happening, not only in the amount of diseases present in the community, but also the ability to actually care for patients across the board, whether they have COVID or not. According to numbers from Motion's Mission Control app, in November, eight patients died while waiting for transfer. In December, 41 patients died. Meanwhile, health officials from across Kansas and Missouri urged people to take precautions to help prevent the spread of the virus and ease the strain on hospitals yesterday. Jennifer Watts is medical director for emergency preparedness at Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. She says the hospital is trying to juggle resources to serve everyone who's sick, but the number of pediatric COVID patients continues to rise. I'll tell you, our options are extremely severely limited, and we are scared of where this is going to take us over the next few weeks, for sure. Officials are asking people to get vaccinated, wear masks, and avoid large gatherings to slow the spread of COVID. Missouri's health department has run out of at-home COVID tests just days after announcing they were available for free for households. KCUR's Alex Smith reports. Facing high demand for COVID tests, the state health department will resume offering home kit orders online on Thursday, but it will limit the number available each day through the rest of January. The health department asks residents to only order tests for immediate use and especially for people experiencing symptoms or who recently had exposures. State officials say they will seek to increase test kit supplies if the positivity rate significantly increases. Missouri's current positivity rate of 28% is the 18th highest in the country. And Douglas County, Kansas, is reinstating a mask mandate after daily COVID-19 cases hit an all-time high. The emergency public health order goes into effect Friday and requires face coverings for anyone two and older inside public spaces.
A year ago today, U.S. Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri created one of the lasting images of protesters storming the U.S. Capitol when he raised his fist in support of them. He was one of a few senators who disputed Joe Biden's victory, despite no evidence of pervasive fraud. But a year later, Hawley faces no real political ramifications back at home. Steve Vakrat of the Midwest Newsroom reports. Last January, Republican Josh Hawley had been in the Senate for barely two years. Elected at 39, after serving briefly as Missouri's attorney general, he was seen by many in the party as a politician on the rise. But that seemed to be at risk for Hawley after the January 6th events and his vote against certifying election results. Some of the biggest companies in Missouri and elsewhere stopped supporting him. The two largest newspapers in the state openly called for him to resign. His mentor, former Republican Senator John Danforth, repudiated his actions. But now, a year later, it appears Hawley has hardly paid a political price in a state that's taken a hard swing to the right in recent years. Terry Smith teaches political science at Columbia College in Missouri. What happened with uh, last January um, to Josh is kind of what's happened to a lot of the individuals who, you know, have been associated with the insurrection, and that is not much. Many of them are not being held to account. And it's kind of uh, nothing to see here. Life goes on. And Senator Hawley appears to have no regrets. While he did not agree to be interviewed for the story, his office released a statement this week blaming the political left for attempting to use the events of January 6th to promote a climate of fear. According to a poll last summer by St. Louis University and YouGov, Hawley's popularity has grown. It found more Missouri voters approved of his performance than they did a year before. It pegged Hawley at a 52% approval rating, which is above average for a U.S. senator, according to Kenneth Warren, the associate director of the poll. Warren says Hawley's numbers dipped quickly after the Capitol storming, but then bounced back. His exact role they played um, have been forgotten or forgiven, uh, probably mostly forgotten. And likely in part because of the weak state of the Missouri Democratic Party, which not too long ago was competitive here. Before the 2016 elections, Democrats occupied all but one of Missouri's six statewide offices. Now it's down to one. Again, Columbia College professor Terry Smith. And there's no Democratic um, leadership in Missouri that basically to to step out and say, uh, you know, I'm going to lead the crusade here to make sure that Senator Hawley answers for what he did. While big corporations have largely steered away from donating to his campaign, Hawley raised more than $7 million last year, much of it coming from small contributors living outside of Missouri. Some Midwest Republicans face a far more challenging climate. Take, for example, Don Bacon, a Nebraska congressman who's willing to say what Hawley and some of his Republican colleagues won't. I would say Joe Biden won the election, and I can see it in my own district. Bacon also criticizes Republican colleagues who downplayed what occurred a year ago today. Surely, to call tourists. That's not right, <laughs> you know. Um, so I just, I just want to be honest. What happened that day was wrong. Former President Donald Trump, who still wields considerable sway over Republican politicians this week, called for someone to run against Don Bacon in this year's primary. Given his widespread popularity here, Josh Hawley is thought to have presidential aspirations. But if he runs for re-election to the Senate, the storming of the Capitol is unlikely to hurt him in the Republican primary. For NPR News, I am Steve Vakra in Kansas City. The Midwest Newsroom is a collaboration between NPR and public radio stations in Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, and Nebraska.
Joplin, Missouri was the site of the most expensive tornado in U.S. history in 2011. It killed 161 people and destroyed a third of the town. But the lessons learned since have been applied to disasters around the world. KCUR's Frank Morris reports. An enormous tornado with winds topping 200 miles an hour turned Joplin, Missouri into a case study on building failure. I remember after the tornado, we had one home just a few blocks from here that was actually sitting in the middle of the road upside down. Brian Wickland is Joplin's chief building official. He says new homes going up here now use more steel to secure roofs to walls and walls to foundations, following national standards established after the Joplin tornado. And it's not just houses that are better prepared. The tornado forced officials like Joplin's emergency management director, Keith Stammer, to think big. If I had walked into a disaster planning committee meeting with a scenario in my back pocket that basically wiped out a third of Joplin and caused us to not be able to help ourselves from the get-go, I'd have been laughed out of the meeting. Not now. That is in our planning. So planners like Stammer are now gaming out bigger and more complex disasters. He says that the tornado also forced a cultural change in the way that first responders deal with post-traumatic stress. Stammer says the old model was to just suck it up. But all of a sudden, when all of you or many of you are having psychological problems, emotional problems with this, you become much more empathetic. You become much more sympathetic. And that goes for average citizens, too. Doug Walker is a clinical psychologist from New Orleans who travels the world helping communities struck by disaster. When he got to Joplin, he found residents reluctant to talk about their feelings. So when you ask someone, how are, how are you doing? They say, I'm fine. I'm good. You know, Joe, Joe Smith needs you down the way. Walker had a list of five things to check on. Work, relationships, play, sleep, and consumption of food, drugs, and alcohol. He says a Joplin focus group hit on a simple question that opens up informal therapy. How's your five? And a light bulb went off my head. And I'm like, you've just created, you just managed to put together a peer-on-peer support that really has never been done before. Peer-on-peer support that Walker says he's used to get disaster victims talking from Florida to Fukushima. But of all the good ideas following the tornado, Vicki Measler, executive director at Ozark Center, a group of mental health clinics in Joplin, says one stands out like a light at the end of a tunnel. The best thing that happened to us is when the school superintendent said, we're going back to school in August. The superintendent was C.J. Huff, and the goalie set was a tough one. Half the schools were severely damaged, and many of the teachers and students were homeless. Huff's timeline gave him less than three months to get the district back on its feet. I gained about, gosh, 60 pounds, I think. I'm a stress eater, and, uh, you know, we all, we all have our coping mechanisms, and uh, mine was ice cream and uh, lots of coffee, lots of coffee, and lots of ice cream. C.J. Huff got school started on time by building classrooms in abandoned big box stores. He was a local hero all over national news. But he says that a few months later, exhausted, distraught citizens began fighting him at every turn. Well, one of the things I, I learned is that when emotion and logic collide, emotion wins every time. With emotion comes volatility. It didn't matter what we brought, whether it was data or subject matter experts. It didn't matter. There was so much emotion. Huff was demonized by some residents. He says he considered suicide and was eventually driven out of the job. Now, Huff is a disaster consultant. And he says that every single one of his colleagues 
are former public officials ousted after a disaster. All of them. <laughs> we call it the exclusive club that nobody wants to belong to. Huff says disillusionment follows every disaster as recovery timetables push back. Ashley Micklethwaite, who was Joplin's school board president when the tornado hit, sees it as a cautionary tale. So Kentucky, listen up. Don't do that. Just know that your leaders today are making the very best decisions that they can. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Steve's story on the January 6th insurrection and Frank's reporting on Joplin, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local news stories from Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app or leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your thoughts. Tomorrow, we'll hear more about what January 6th meant for Missouri and the nation. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.